We are going to be in our second of three installments on talking about the fear of the Lord. I'm actually really excited about the third one, so because uh, I, I just think it's cool. But we'll have to wait for that. I have to get through the second one first. I am building on this, so if you uh, missed two weeks ago when I taught on delightful fear, you might want to go back and listen to that because it will help you understand what I'm saying now. But I will review a little bit. So if you want to get out your notes, you can follow along. And uh, we'll, at one point here, we'll have a little guest speaker by video. I'll tell you about him in a minute. Uh, but I think uh, we're on to something with the fear of the Lord. I think this is really important. I want to encourage you to really try and get this. Because I think it's a key to what God wants to do in the earth right now. Okay, so last time we talked about the fear of the Lord, we talked about delightful fear. Uh, Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord. We saw that in Isaiah 11, verse 3, right? And then we looked at John 5 to see what does it look like when Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord? What does it mean to delight in the fear of the Lord? <clears throat> and we saw that largely it was expressed in doing only what he saw the Father doing right? And so we concluded that the highest level of the fear of the Lord was the delightful fear of the Lord, or to so desire His ways uh, that we desire only His ways. To be so confident in His love for you, in His goodness, that His ways are better than our ways, that He knows what He's doing more than we know what He's doing. And so the highest level of the fear of the Lord becomes simply desire to do nothing apart from him, simply a desire to do everything his way. Yes, how many of you remember that from two weeks ago, more or less? Okay, good, three of you, that's awesome, perfect. <laughs> this will be fine, I'm sure. All right, let me just pray here, and then, uh, and then we'll jump in. So Lord, I, uh, I just ask this morning that you would give us revelation, that you would show us marvelous things in your word. Lord, I just feel like uh, all of us, myself included, need, need a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord and the importance of it. And so Lord, we ask you by your spirit to give us a wisdom and understanding and revelation this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do, since we talked a little bit about Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 3 last time, I want to go ahead and look at the first four verses of Isaiah 11. Make it very clear, this is a prophetic passage talking about Jesus. We want to understand it, okay? So, in Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was King David's pop, right? And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is a prophetic reference to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. All right, and it says, the spirit of the Lord shall be on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And if you'll notice, and I put them in bold in your notes, there are seven things there. And most people, and I'll show you why in just a minute, most people believe that this is an Old Testament reference to the seven spirits of God that are referenced four times in the book of Revelation. 
uh, seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God. I think there's just the one Holy Spirit, but for some reason there's seven representations of that. Maybe we'll understand that better in heaven. I'm content to just believe it at this point. Um, but I want to look at these things. The first one is the Spirit of the Lord, and the, the word Lord there is the uh, Yahweh or Jehovah or the Tetragram and that, um, that uh, the Jews uh, consider holy. It wouldn't even speak. So the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. I don't think this is just, you know, I went to seminary wisdom and understanding. Uh, understand that these are aspects of the Spirit of God. This is supernatural wisdom and understanding. This is the wisdom of God, perhaps a word of wisdom, which is referenced in uh, the New Testament. Or uh, perhaps the ability to understand what's going on in the earth, not just from human perspective, but from heaven's perspective. Uh, and uh, involving not just what people are doing, but what angels are doing, what devils are doing, what God is doing, what all that. And so uh, it's a higher level of spiritual wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might. Uh, spirit of counsel specifically is the counsel of the Lord. I love uh, in Jeremiah 23, when Jeremiah is talking to the prophets about prophesying peace and, and getting it wrong and prophesying falsely, uh, God says through Jeremiah, if you had stood in my counsel, you would have turned my people from their sins. There's a place of standing in the counsel of God where we are actually, by the Spirit of God, hearing the counsel of God, or at least snippets of it, so that we understand what's going on. So again, this is a supernatural counsel of God. And the Spirit of might, it's not just, you know, you do better at the gym. It's uh, the power of God. People get healed. Uh, miracles happen. That kind of thing. How many of you are interested in seeing more of a manifestation of that Spirit? Yeah. Amen. Okay. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And I think, again, it's talking about the knowledge of Jesus. And the fear of the Lord is obviously the one we're going to focus on a little bit today because that's what we're talking about. And so uh, these seven are uh, referenced probably as the seven spirits of God referenced in Revelation in four places. Let's look at those references because I really want us to understand this and the importance of the last one. So in Revelation 4, verse 5, it says, And from the throne, so we're having a vision. John, of course, is in heaven. An angel has taken him for a walk. And we're having a vision of the throne of God and everything before the throne. And from the throne proceeds lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And then there are seven lamps of fire before the throne which were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So there's no question here. It's not interpretive. It's very simple. There are seven lamps that burn before the throne of God that are the seven spirits of God. Okay? And again, we see the same thing repeated in Revelation 1-4, the, the lamps before the throne. So the first thing we see is the seven spirits of God are represented as lamps before God's throne. Now, how many of you have seen a menorah? Can we, can we, can we have one? There we go. That's a menorah. Now, if you get confused, the ones that have nine branches are for Hanukkah, for how long the oil lasted. That's a whole other story. Uh, look up the Maccabees and learn about that. This is the part of the furniture of the Old Testament menorah okay 
you recall when Moses was instructed to make the tabernacle and later uh, the temple, not Moses, uh, Solomon uh, was instructed to make the temple, there's specific furniture that God gave them to make that's a pattern from heaven. Uh, there's the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim that represents the chariot of God or the, the throne of God or the place of the Father, right? And that was behind the veil, the Holy of Holies. And then in the next room, there are three things. There was the table of showbread, which represents Jesus, the bread of life. And then there was the menorah, which represents the Spirit of God. How many flames? Seven, right? And so God's just giving them a visual of what's already happening in heaven. Now, by the way, there's a fourth piece of furniture out there. Uh, do you guys remember what that is? Anyone? Table of incense. Remember, incense was to be before the throne continually. So you had the uh, Ark of the Covenant and the, the showbread and the, uh, the candelabra, the menorah, yeah? And the table of incense, which is Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 8. Prayers of the saints, of the saints right? How long was it in God's mind to include us in the Godhead. You get it? Yeah. We were already represented in the Godhead way back in the tabernacle through the prayers of the saints. Isn't that cool? Anyway, that's free. That wasn't even a part of this thing. Uh, so you don't have to pay for that one. All right. Um, anyway, I want you to see that this is the menorah that's in the tabernacle or the temple. And it represents these seven spirits of God, seven flames. Now, I want you to notice we have, you know, the Spirit of God right in the middle, and then we have three connected branches. Notice also that these other six are listed in pairings, and I'm not going to go real far with this, but uh, it's the Spirit of the Lord, and then the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, just like these branches. And so I think uh, maybe there is some relationship with these. Again, I wouldn't go too far with it, but perhaps if we want to understand what's going on in the earth today, we need more than human wisdom. Perhaps wisdom from above is necessary for us to have understanding in the realm of the Spirit. Perhaps they're linked together. Does that make sense? If we want the might, the power of God... In church, perhaps it's linked together with the counsel of God. Maybe knowing what God's up to and following his counsel is a prerequisite to seeing his power. Could be. And so uh, perhaps the knowledge of Jesus is one of the ways we grow in the fear of the Lord. Perhaps these things are interrelated. So that's just something for you to feel free to pray about and explore uh, but I want to move on more so to the second one. And the four verses in Revelation, two of them are about the uh, Spirit of God being before the throne. The other two are about Jesus. We'll look at these now. We'll look at one of them. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, he says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, so he's still having this vision of the throne room, uh, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Everybody know who that is? 
That's Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, right? Stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And so sent out into all the earth, but also represented in Jesus. So we want to see, and we see this again in Revelation 3.1, that not only are these seven spirits of God before the throne of God, they're sent out into all the earth to accomplish, and they're embodied in Jesus. Jesus embodies these seven spirits of God. So us, in Jesus, can also embody these seven spirits of God. Amen? Okay, so this is why... Uh, I think people go back to Isaiah 11.2 and list these as the seven spirits of God because clearly in 11.1 he's talking about Jesus and clearly from Revelation the seven spirits of God are embodied in Jesus. You following me? I'm building up to something I want you to understand here in a minute uh, that you need for the video I'm going to show you. Now, let's do a couple more verses in Isaiah 11. And we, we looked at 1 and 2. Jesus uh, is the representation of the seven spirits of God. They are on him. They rest upon him. Now, in verse 3, what I want you to see is of these seven, verse 3 picks out only one to elaborate on. Which one is it? The fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And then it tells us what comes from Jesus delighting in the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge. That's an execution of justice, right? He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Now that's getting into, you know, uh, Zechariah and the book of Revelation and the last days, uh, Psalm 2, when Jesus will come, Psalm 110, where he will execute kings in his wrath. So that's getting into, he will come and ultimately bring justice to the earth and make everything right. Amen? Amen. And so it encompasses that entire, uh, the entire path of Jesus from beginning to end to bring justice to the earth. What I want you to see is two things here. That the fear of the Lord, which is the last one in the list, and we would tend to go front to back, uh, there's a reason it's last, and it's a, the only one expanded upon. It's, a, it's as if he's saying uh, these seven spirits of the Lord, but this last one is real important, and we're going to find out why. Okay? And then the second part is he says, basically, because Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord, he will be able to execute righteousness and justice in the earth because he is so tapped into delighting in the Father's ways. He is the one that will be worthy to open the scrolls. He is the one that will be able to execute righteousness and justice in the earth. In other words, the source of his righteousness and justice are his fear of the Lord. Does that make sense to you? All right, so um, I think it's clear in that passage. And the reason I want you to see that is because I think it's foundational. 
And we're talking this morning about foundational fear. If you look through the scriptures, righteousness and justice are paired together often. There there, are, I don't know, maybe a dozen significant verses where it talks about righteousness and justice, righteousness and justice. The most significant one for our purposes this morning is Psalm 89, 14, where it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. You guys remember that one? What's the foundation of his throne? Righteousness and justice. So the foundation of his rule is righteousness and justice. What's the source of the righteousness and justice that Jesus brings? The fear of the Lord. You begin to see how the fear of the Lord is foundational. And so I believe the fear of the Lord is listed last, not because it's last, but because it's the foundation that the others are built upon. Now, all that to get you to this video I'm going to show you in just a minute. Don't play it yet. Um, I'm going to show you a video of Chris Reed. Chris Reed, uh, some of you may have heard of him. He, he's kind of new on the national scene. He has just this year uh, taken over um, Morningstar Ministries. Uh, uh, Rick Joyner's handed the reins over to him. He just moved there to North Carolina uh, or South Carolina. I think they're right on the border to take over. He's a significant prophetic voice. You ought to look him up in YouTube and watch his prophetic ministry. It's pretty impressive. But what impresses me the most is he's also an excellent teacher. And he, uh, he to me, is really humble and really doing the prophetic ministry with integrity and really careful. And uh, I believe he's, he's a forerunner of God bringing the national prophetic ministry of America to a greater level of maturity. And so uh, I'm real excited. We've been watching him some. And this excerpt is going to be taken from a teaching he did in April at International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, we're actually trying to get him here. And uh, I think we're going to be able to, but we were hoping to do it this fall, but it's, okay. it's probably going to be next year. So since I'm teaching on the fear of the Lord now, I'm just going to steal two or three things from his teaching. You don't mind? <laughs> Because that's what pastors do. It's the one thing we're allowed to steal is other people's teachings. So uh, I really want you to listen to this. What he's going to do, he's, he's, I, I, it's eight and a half minutes of him sharing an encounter, uh, a revelation he has. But not just God showed him this, God took him somewhere. An angel took him and, uh, into what he calls the glory realm uh, and showed him stuff. And he, he's very accurate. He has experiences like this. Uh, this one, he, I love, he's, he's an Indiana guy, so I, I like him because he's an Indiana guy. Uh, he was just out raking his yard, and he paused to rest, and, and next thing he knows, he's having this encounter. So, youth, you should do your chores. You never know when God's going to show up. <laughs> Amen? Just work that in there for the parents. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Uh, anyway, I really want you to pay close attention to this, really, really drill into this, because I think it's a significant relation, uh, a revelation for our time. I'll talk more about this when I, when I hit part three, but I really believe uh, it's a significant understanding that the church in America needs to get. And so, um, let's go ahead and uh, show that video, and then I'll come back and talk some more. So I see this angel standing in front of me. And the next thing that happens, I don't know how long I'm standing there, but he points to me and he motions me to come here just like this. And 
so hesitantly, I started walking forward. And the next thing that happens is he steps aside and there is a door standing right behind him. And uh, so, and something else I wanna tell you is it was almost like I was in a realm of glory, beautiful colors, beautiful atmosphere, uh, the fragrances and just various things captured my attention. And I think about this a lot and I've preached about this um, on several occasions now, just because when you have an encounter with God, then a message becomes personal. And so uh, with these beautiful colors and this heavenly glory-like atmosphere, he steps aside and I start walking forward uh, with trepidation and I step through this door. The door opens and it closes behind me and it was as if I was in a library. Now, quite a change in scenery through a door. But I realized I was in heaven's library. It was as if I stepped out of a glory presence, glory realm atmosphere, stepped through this door into this heavenly library. And I'm, you know, if you've ever yourself been in a library, you know that uh, there are sections with various different kinds of books. For instance, there's a, a section for the fiction, a section for the nonfiction, a section for adventure or the various types of books. Well, there were several bookshelves that were lining the, this library, but one that stood out to me above all the others. And at the top of this bookshelf, it was marked as the supernatural. And so I walked over to this bookshelf and of all the books that were on this bookshelf, only one stood out at me. And the one that stood out to me on, as it was sitting bookend in the shelf, I read on the bookend of the, the binding of the book, it said, the seven spirits of God. And so I reached in and I took the book out and on the front cover of the book, it was incredible because the order of the pages were the exact order of the seven spirits of God that are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 11, verse three that I read to you tonight in your hearing. On the front cover of the book, it said, the spirit of the Lord, which is the first spirit mentioned. This in Isaiah 11, this prophecy about Jesus, this messianic prophecy about the coming Christ. And I turned the front cover. And so I come to the first page and it says the spirit of wisdom. And it was like each page was a, a white, off-white piece of paper, but it was thick paper. It was like there was a book within each page. And so the first the, the top cover was the spirit of the Lord. I turned that over the first page, uh, the spirit of wisdom. I turned the next page, the spirit of understanding. I turned the next page, the spirit of counsel. I turned the next page, the spirit of might. I turned the next page and it said the spirit of knowledge. And that was the last page. And then I took the back cover of the book and I closed the book while I held it in my left hand. And on the back cover, it said, the spirit 
of the fear of the Lord. Well, as I pondered these things, I, I believe I looked up and I looked back down at the book and suddenly there was a change of this book that struck me. And I knew that there was a message being conveyed to me from this holding this book, The Seven Spirits of God. The back cover, what was different, was the back cover sometime between me glancing up and looking back down, the back cover had been ripped or torn off. Now it was still laying on the book, but you could see where the binding that the back pay or the back cover, which was the spirit of the fear of the Lord, was ripped off and it was just laying there detached from the rest of the book. And I noticed it holding with my left hand. I used my right hand to turn the cover over to see the pages on the inside. And when I did, all of the pages in the middle fell out. And then I heard the angel speaking behind me. And he said, do you know what you have seen? Of course, I just listened. He said, what you are looking at is the spiritual condition of the broad church at large. They want the supernatural. They're drawn to the supernatural section. But here's what he said. He said, when the fear of the Lord or the spirit of the fear of the Lord is taken out of our message, out of our church culture, out of our preaching, out of our lifestyle, okay? When, when, the, when the fear of the Lord is taken, then also the spirit of wisdom is lost. The spirit of understanding is lost. The spirit of counsel and might is lost. And the spirit of knowledge, supernatural knowledge, is lost. And then he told me to look down and see what I was holding in my left hand. And all at that point that was in my left hand was the front cover of the book, which was the first of the seven spirits mentioned in Isaiah 11 and three, which the front cover said, the spirit of the Lord. And he said, this is what you only experience in most churches. They've lost the fear of the Lord. And so because that the spirit of counsel, which is words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and they've lost the spirit of might, which are signs and wonders and healings and miracles. They've lost the spirit of wisdom and they've lost the spirit of knowledge and they've lost under the spirit of understanding, which is also the spirit of revelation. When you, when you lose the fear of the Lord, you lose the supernatural and all you're left with in a service is just an atmosphere. Now I am in no way minimizing or detracting the first of the seven spirits mentioned here. The spirit of the Lord is wonderful and I would never, ever, ever detract from it. But why there are seven spirits is what makes the spirit of the Lord complete. Is It's a full package. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is to be revelation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is to be a spirit of wisdom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is to be a spirit of knowledge. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is to be counsel and might. And when you lose the fear of the Lord, then you lose the essence, the greater essence, the full package of the Holy Spirit. 
and all you have left is a feeling of a spiritual atmosphere. And he struck me when he said that because I think about the words that are often said in services. Isn't this wonderful atmosphere? Do you feel the spirit of the Lord here? And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to feel a spirit, but I want to also experience what that spirit does. I want more than a feeling. Amen. All right, we will pause there. Let me ask you honestly, how many of you are hearing a Boston song in your head right now? Because, all right, good, a few. All right, not just me. Uh, I was going to see if Jared could play it, but uh, you guys want more than a feeling? You understand uh, what he's saying there? Now, again, that's subjective. That's a revelation. I think he had an experience with God, but that's not Scripture. Um, and we want to build our doctrine on scripture. So I want to look at some more scripture, but it, it, I think it illuminates a scriptural truth that the fear of the Lord is foundational, that it's a foundation that we have to build on, that many of the things we want, um, we will lose if we don't embrace and pursue the fear of the Lord. And uh, perhaps, and I'll talk about this more uh, in part three, Perhaps uh, the church in America has uh, lost some of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen? And so let's look and see if there's a, what he's basically saying is the fear of the Lord is foundational. And, I, and again, I think that's why it's elaborated upon. I think that's why righteousness and justice come from the spirit of the fear of the Lord, because that's the foundation of his throne. I think the spirit of the fear of the Lord is foundational to the rest of the activity of the spirit of God. Uh, but let's see if we see that anywhere in scripture. I'm just going to read these four passages fairly quickly and uh, see if it makes sense. Uh, because if the fear of the Lord is the foundation for all of the other activity of his spirit, we should see some of that in scripture. And we do. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What do we need if we're going to begin to get knowledge? Fear of the Lord. What comes first? Fear of the Lord. And knowledge is up there in that list, isn't it? The spirit of knowledge. You see it? And so we see in scripture the, the fear of the Lord is a starting place for these other things. It's a foundation for these other things. Proverbs 2, 5 and 6. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And once you understand the fear of the Lord, find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That's three of the other spirits listed right there, beginning with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10. Most of you know this one by heart. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we see in Scripture this principle of the fear of the Lord being a foundation that the other things are built upon, that we have to build the fear of the Lord into our life before we can build wisdom and understanding and knowledge into our life. Uh, I like Job 28, 28. Do that and also. It says, and to man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Now, here's a way to think about that. 
we hope people will come to church so the pastor will tell them to depart from evil, quit doing bad stuff. And incidentally, if that's why you brought someone here, quit doing bad stuff, all right? Now, if the fear of the Lord brings with it wisdom and causes us to depart from evil, maybe all we need is the fear of the Lord in church. And you just bring them in. I don't have to tell them to quit doing bad stuff. Maybe they'll understand in the presence of the fear of the Lord, oh, I need to quit doing bad stuff. You understand why this is foundational? Okay, now, I didn't hit uh, counsel and might just because there are no verses that directly use those words with the fear of the Lord. But I would not have a hard, I'm not going to do it this morning for sake of time, but I would not have a hard time pulling out scriptural principles like I talked about in Jeremiah 23 about uh, the council, standing in his council so they don't miss revelation, that the fear of the Lord is foundational to those two also. We've talked about in uh, Isaiah 40, where uh, it says those who wait on the Lord or are braided together with the Lord or become intimate with the Lord will renew their strength. That strength comes through uh, intimacy with the Lord, which I, again, it wouldn't take much to draw the lines to connect that to the fear of the Lord. So. I think I am uh, confident that it's true that the fear of the Lord is foundational to all the other stuff. And so as Chris says later in his teaching, the return of the fear of the Lord is key to the return of the supernatural. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. And so I think sometimes we've been stuck in general as a church going, come on, God, do the supernatural. We're believing, we're believing by faith, we're believing by faith, we're believing by faith, and then we go and do what we want, and God says, no, no, we need the fear of the Lord. That's what I build on. And so, again, remember our definition, this concept that it's, Lord, I'm afraid to do anything apart from you. I want to do it your way. We can't do it our way and then add on his supernatural power, right? We do it his way. And as we pursue that, and one of the things that Chris said was, uh, I think there are ways we can um, uh, choose the fear of the Lord or cooperate with the fear of the Lord, but ultimately, this is not something we can just drum up. And so his exhortation, and I'd encourage you, you can, it's really easy, you can just, on YouTube, just Google uh, Chris Reed, fear of the Lord, Isaiah 11, IHOP, it'll come up. If you want to watch the whole teaching, it's very good. And uh, afterwards, he does a lot of prophetic ministry, so you could watch that too. But his exhortation was, guys, this needs to be the focus of our prayer. We need to pray in the fear of the Lord. And so that's really my exhortation to you this morning, is can we become a people who are praying in the fear of the Lord? Who, uh, my goal this morning is that we would so value this, that we would... Uh, I'm trying to give you an appetite for the fear of the Lord so that you want it in your life and you want it in church and you want it in America and so that we're all praying, God, give us the fear of the Lord. Give us the fear of the Lord. That's the key. That's the foundation we need, God. Amen? Amen. So let me finish with Acts chapter 5 to continue uh, wetting your appetite. I am going to finish with that. On the back of this, you'll see I put... Uh, beneficial fear, a bunch of verses. These are verses that are really good that I'm not going to expound upon 
And so I didn't want to throw them away. I still want you to have them. Basically, it's just about a dozen verses that talk about what we get when we choose the fear of the Lord, when we, when we pursue the fear of the Lord. And it's good stuff. And so that is your homework. I would encourage you somewhere over the next couple of weeks to take, you know, 20 minutes. And obviously you can read them a lot quicker than that. The reason I'm saying 20 minutes is I'd like you to read them and pray into them and ask God for the fear of the Lord and ask God to do those things that it says you will get when you fear the Lord in your life. Uh, there's some good stuff in there, but you guys look at those later. For uh, the rest of today, let's look at Acts chapter 5. I want to read verses 11 through 16. Now understand what has just happened in the first part of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, is Ananias and Sapphira have uh, wanted to uh, sell their land and uh, look like they were giving the money to church, but really not. And so they lied about it, but they chose to do it in a very public way in church. And Peter called it lying to the Holy Spirit, and they both fell down dead. You remember the story? So it was a, it was a unique church service that day. And, uh, and there were results of that. Let's look at the results. And I want you to just follow this. And I think this order is significant. In Acts chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. So this has just happened. And what's the first thing? So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. What happens first? Fear of the Lord. Let's see what happens next. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Huh. Right after the fear of the Lord came, the power of the Lord, the might of the Lord, signs and wonders. Isn't that interesting? Let's see what else happens. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. How many of you pray for unity in the church? Yeah? What if uh, in order to have unity in church, we need the fear of the Lord first? What if it's one of the things that comes after the fear of the Lord? Looks like it was here. The fear of the Lord, then signs and wonders, then unity. Let's see what else happens. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Now, this is the people that aren't in church. This is the people that are just wandering around town looking at the church. So this is what we regularly experience, right? The church in America is highly esteemed by the world. Should it be? Really? Whose fault is it? Is just the world, those, those ungodly, worldly people just don't esteem us like we deserve? Or is it our fault? And would they esteem us if we walked in the fear of the Lord? That's what happened in the early church. They walked in the fear of the Lord, and people around them, they may not want to join them, but they esteemed them highly. Just a thought. And... Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Pastor, we need to be out there sharing the gospel, winning people to Jesus. That's awesome. Maybe if we got the fear of the Lord, multitudes would be added to the church. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm for winning the lost and all you evangelists, I, I get it. I know you think church is a waste of time, we should be out there because everyone here is saved. But... Uh, Maybe if we could pray in the fear of the Lord, your job would be way easier, evangelists. Maybe, maybe you'd, you'd, you'd have to, we'd have to get you a bus so you could bring people to church because God's adding multitudes that are being saved. Just a thought. You see how all these things build on the fear of the Lord. 
And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall, fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Have you been praying, God, do it again like you did in the 90s where you, we had renewal and people were coming from other nations to Melbourne, Florida. Have I been praying that? That's what they're talking about. People from surrounding cities going, let's go to Melbourne. The sick are being healed there. And they come here and they're all healed. And all it takes is the church really going after the fear of the Lord. It would appear. It's just a thought. Does that make sense? Now I'm going to stop there because the next thing that happens is persecution. And uh, we'll talk about that after we get revival. Okay? Just so you know. So, I really believe, not only is this, and what I'm going to talk about in two weeks, uh, this is the key to our nation. This is what God's after. I'm going to explain that. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 29 if you want to read ahead. But uh, I really believe that the church uh, needs to get this, that the fear of the Lord is the foundation that everything else is built on. That if we will pursue the fear of the Lord, stuff will start to happen. And what I really want here is for us, uh, again, just to awaken a desire in us. My prayer time, just doing this study in the last few weeks, um, not because I, I, I feel like I have to, it's just becoming natural. I'm, a, a desire is awakening in me, and I'm praying more and more, God, I want the fear of the Lord in my heart. I want the fear of the Lord in my church. I want the fear of the Lord in my city. Right? And so uh, I want us to be stirred by seeing uh, this isn't just a requirement. This is, this is something awesome. If we could get this, church would be a lot more fun. We could delight in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. So let's have the band come up and uh, see what God wants to do. Let's just worship. But, but I also just want to encourage you, in the midst of worship, however this is striking you, just feel free to begin to make that cry to the Lord, God, the fear of the Lord. We want the fear of the Lord. We want the fear of the Lord. Now, for real, how many of you uh, that's beginning to stir in you, and it's more than you, it's God, you're going, yes, this is God. I want this. I want the fear of the Lord. And we know that that's going to change us on the inside. Amen. So, Lord, we just pray this morning. We just say, yes, Lord. We, we want the fear of the Lord. We want the whole book. We don't want to tear off the back cover. We don't want to compromise and then try and uh, just get the parts we want. Uh, Lord, we want healing, but we don't want the fear of the Lord. Or we want wisdom, but we don't want the fear of the Lord. Lord, we say uh, we want, first of all, uh, a depth of the knowledge of your ways and a depth of confidence in your love and in your goodness, to pursue you, to delight in the fear of you. Lord, so that all these things can be manifest in the earth, right here where we live. Lord, we just pray for the fear of the Lord. And as we, as we go into worship this morning, uh, Lord, we're just saying uh, we want to draw near to you. We want more of you. 
We want a greater knowledge of Jesus, a greater knowledge of your love, so that we can pursue the fear of the Lord, so that we can delight in your ways. Lord, we just ask you to draw us after you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.